Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Come on, somebody. Uh, welcome. Glad you're here. Church is always more fun when people come. And, uh, and so you're here. Turn around, give two or three people a high five and tell them you are God's favorite. John 17, 23 says, is the biblical foundation for that, that uh, you're God's favorite. Jesus said, Father, I think John 17, to me, is the most intimate chapter in the whole Bible where God, where Jesus is speaking to his Father as he's about to leave this earth. And, and he says to him, uh, Father, you love them as much as you love me. We don't ever have any problem understanding. We wouldn't ever have any problem thinking God loves Jesus. But sometimes we struggle with whether or not he loves us. But here's what Jesus said, Father, you love them as much as you love me. So just as we could easily say God, that Jesus is God's favorite, nobody has that problem, but you are too. You are too. You're God's favorite. And that's important to know as we, as we, uh, as we walk in this. And, and I am going to do my best to fill in, for those of you who have the notes, to fill in the blanks. My wife is, uh, is gifted. Some people call, call it a gift. Some people call it a struggle. But if you have uh, blanks that are left on a, a sheet, it just bugs the living daylights out of her. And so, so I have learned over the years that if I put blanks on a sheet, fill those blanks in before you leave because she just won't be able to settle down until her, till all the blanks are filled in. So I'm going to try to, if I don't make it, if you'll see me afterwards and bring $100, I'll fill in the rest of the blanks. Uh, and, uh, and it's great to be here, excited to be here. Cheryl and I retired uh, three and a half years ago, and, and with our children's permission, we moved to Pauley's Island, South Carolina, where we had always vacation. And it's a beautiful area, but it's also an area where a lot of people from the north retire. And so uh, it's always funny to me with the people from the north, well, you'll talk to them and they'll say, you have an accent. And I say, no, I don't. You do. I, I, I'm from the south. You aren't. You have an accent. I don't. This is the way we talk. And uh, But the other thing that's interesting to me is how they make fun of all of us from the south about how we can't handle cold. And they just, you know, they just think we're hilarious because, you know, it gets down to 40s, 50s degrees, and, and we're just, oh, man, it's cold. And uh, so this week, I know what they're like, because this week I was in Southern California, and you guys just can't handle cold. We stopped to get gas. Was it? I don't know if I say it right. It's in, in Atlanta. There's a city called Marietta. Here it's called Murrieta. Uh, we just call it Mayretta in, in Georgia, but... Uh, but we were there, and I stopped to get gas. It was Wednesday when the wind was blowing so hard, and it was cloudy, and the snow, you know, snowflakes up that way. And we stopped to get gas. We were out exploring. It, it, it was kids were screaming. People were hug. I mean, it, it, Steve, I thought we were in Antarctica. <laughs> I'm looking around, pumping gas, and I mean, and, 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 and apparently, y'all, y'all, y'all understand? Y'all is means you all, and uh, y'all don't know how to use umbrellas in wind. I don't know how many umbrellas I saw that were turned upside down. It's, it, people were just, it looked, like, it looked like Antarctica. So I thought, this is what all the northerners think about us when they come to our state. And I'm looking around going, you people just can't handle 42 degrees in a little wind, can you? And so uh, hopefully it's over for you. We've been praying and interceding for you. And hopefully it's over for you. But let's get into the Word. And, and, and here's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about being a dreamer. 
Pastor Ben and Katie were in the middle of a series, and if you weren't here last week and heard Pastor Katie preach, Ben, she brought it. I mean, it, it, it was brought. And, and, and if you are here as a guest this week, you need to come back next week and hear this guy preach. Are you preaching next week? Because he is one of the top five preachers I've ever heard in my life. I mean, the guy, guy can bring it. Come on, somebody. And uh, the guy can bring it, and he loves the Word of God. Him and Pastor Katie, they love the Word of God. And, and they love, they won't compromise the Word. They won't, re, they won't adjust the Word or try to redefine the Word. They're just going to tell you what the Word says. Because you know what they have found out is that if you'll just, like that song we sang, if you'll just take God at His Word and quit, and quit trying to redefine or redirect His Word, life is a lot simpler. Life is a I've watched people who, who think that the word isn't enough or the word needs some tweaking and all, and I just watch how complicated their lives get. And I think, man, why do you even want to go down that road? You know, the truth is simple. The truth is uncomplicated. And if, and if you're following somebody uh, on, on social media or something and, and they're, they're twisting the word, I'm telling you, it's about to get complicated. And you don't want that in your life. Life is much better without complications. Can somebody say, come on, somebody? All right. So, so what I want to talk to you today, though, is about the truth about being a dreamer. About being a dreamer. Look at this. This is in Psalm 126, verse 1. It says, this is a song for going up to worship. All right, listen to what he's saying. He said, this is, this is a preparation for worship. A song for going, when the Lord brought the prisoners back to Jerusalem, it seemed as if we were dreaming. So surprised and happy that it didn't seem real. One version of that says that when we have been released from, when the Lord released us from our captivity, we were as those who dreamed. And one of the things, when I read this verse, I thought about our worship, our lifestyle of worship, our life should be defined, those of us who are believers. Any believers here today that Jesus is your Lord? Okay. And what should define us, he's saying, one of the attributes that should define you as a believer is that you're a dreamer. That you're a dreamer. We are as those who dream. That it's just too good to be true what he's done for us. We didn't deserve any of this. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve, we didn't deserve any of those things that people were talking about, how, how Canvas is a great church. We don't deserve any of that. But God gives it all to us because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and we are as those who dream. And one of the things that happens, though, a lot of times is that we as believers, if you'll think back to the troubles that come your way, and, and here's the deal, everybody is in one stage of trouble. There are three stages of trouble. There are, I call them all PT. There's pre-trouble, there's present trouble, and then there's post-trouble. And so everybody is in one of those stages. You're, you're right, maybe you're right now, you're in pre-trouble, and you think, man, this is great. Well, you're in pre-trouble, okay? Because Jesus said, as long as you're here, guess what you're going to have? You're going to have trouble, but don't let the trouble steal your joy because I, he said, but come on, be a good cheer because I have overcome the world, all right? But he promised you. It's not one of those promises we all post on our refrigerator and quote every day before we head out. Hey, Lord, I just want to thank you that today I'm going to have troubles. We don't, we don't do that. But he promised you you're going to face trouble. So you maybe you're pre-trouble, maybe you're present trouble, maybe you're post-trouble, but all of us have been there. But I want you to think for a second about the purpose of the trouble. And one of the purposes of the trouble is to steal your dreams. 
not just maybe not steal your dreams, but to, to hinder your ability to dream. You, you, uh, you go through a divorce. What does it do to your dreams about relationship? Your ability to dream about relationships. If you don't watch it, you carry baggage with you and you are ex you're not expecting great relationships anymore. If you fail at something, what does it do to your ability to dream? And if you don't watch it, it will hinder your ability to dream. But one of the things that should define us as people who love Jesus is that we're dreamers. That we're dreamers and trouble doesn't stop us from dreaming. And, and here's something, I, as I was preparing, I, I am so honored. I could not believe, you know, when, when Pastor Ben and Katie asked us to come and, 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 and uh, we were going to be here two Sundays, I assumed that I would be preaching, because he told me I was going to preach a Sunday, I assumed it would be the Sunday before the 10th anniversary. I, I, I could not believe it when he said, no, no, I want you to teach on the day, on the 10th anniversary. That, what an honor. I couldn't believe it. I thought, you know, who does that? I don't know anybody does that, but he did. And uh, what an what a, what a act of humility to say, here, you preach on our anniversary. Give your pastors a hand. They're good people. <laughs> so, Steve, I was, you know, hey, you know, you're preparing, and I kind of had some thoughts about if it's the Sunday before or the Sunday after about what I was going to teach about. But when he said it's the 10th anniversary, I, I said, oh, no, no, no. We, you know, I got on my knees. I said, Lord, what do you got? And this is what he said. I said, I want you to talk to him about dreams. Because here's, we've watched Canvas Church. We've watched Ben and Katie. We've watched them. We, we were there when they when they dream birth. They came to Georgia to, to partner with an association of related churches about starting a church. And we were part of the team that assessed whether or not they could do it. And that's when we fell in love with them as we're sitting there talking to them about whether or not this young couple could do it or not. And, and we fell in love with them and we've been together ever since. But we have watched, so we knew their dream and we've watched their dream do this and their dream do this. And we've watched, we've watched the hills and the valleys of the dream. And the thing that I am most proud of them in Canvas Church is that they, they celebrate the hills, but they don't quit in the valleys. And here's the thing about your dreams. If they're God-given dreams, they're going to face opposition. And don't quit. You know, Galatians, in the book of Galatians, Paul gives us this wonderful thing. I call it the law of guaranteed, uh, guaranteed promise, guaranteed return. He says, if you just won't quit, he says, don't get tired of your well-doing. Don't get tired of following the dream. Because if you just won't quit, you will win. You will win. And, and so I, I want you to think about maybe today, as I was praying over the chairs Here's what I saw in the Spirit. I saw some people here today that you have many versions of a dream laying around you, crumpled up in paper, where you thought that was the dream, and you threw it to the side, that the dream. And then I saw dreams that have been crushed, and you've just said, ah, you know, I was, I don't, I'm, I'm just not even into that anymore. And here's what I believe God wants to do today. God wants to, un, He wants to reach down and take one of those pieces of paper that He wrote, and show it to you and say, okay, here were all your versions of the dream, but here's the dream. And I'm going to straighten it out and get all the wrinkles out of it. And you and I are going to pursue this dream again. And I, and I think he's going to take that. I, what I saw was almost like a crushed soda can. And that was your dream, and you feel like my dream is crushed. For somebody, it was a dream of a family. 
and, and it's just, and, and, and I, here's what I believe God's doing today. He's going to reach down by the power of his Holy Spirit, and he's going to straighten out all the crinkles and wrinkles and pull that thing back up, and he say, I, I didn't crush your dream. You had an enemy who's trying to crush your dream, but that enemy can't win. And you and I are going to have the dream. And I just, I, I believe your father's saying that to you today. And so I, I just thought, let's look quickly at some lessons we can learn from those who dream. And the first one I want to look at is a guy named Abraham. In Genesis 15, 5, God takes Abraham outside. And when he says he takes him outside, it, it, Abraham was in a tent. And I've been in a, uh, Abrahamic type tent. If you go to Israel and you, you go out and you stay, you go to one of the Bedouin camps and you'll see what an Abraham tent looked like. You know, Abraham's tent was built out of goat hides. And, and so Abraham's living in this big tent and, and God's, and so God's talking to him about the dream. So God takes him outside of the tent and said, look at the sky and count the stars if you're able to count them. Then he said to them, your offspring will be that numerous. And so here's why God did that. Abraham's, God's trying to talk to him about the dream, and all, all Abraham can see is the boundaries he's placed on his life. And God said, I'm going to take you outside of your tent. I'm going to take you outside of your experiences and your past and what you think you can do and your abilities, and I'm going to take you outside and show you that your dream is not limited by you. And look up. Can you count all those stars? That's how big the dream is. Don't you let, and here's what God was telling Abraham, don't you let where you are define the boundaries of, where, of the dream of where God wants you to be. Don't you let where you are, what your past has been, what your experiences have been, define the boundaries of where God can take you and what God can do. I've got a friend who struggles with depression. And, uh, and I challenged him, and, and, and so now he's, he's on some medications that are helping him. And, and, and one day I challenged him, and he was talking about he had gone away, and he had forgot his medication, and he started to have a panic attack. And his, his fiancée said to him, who she's a, a nurse, and she said to him, hey, the, I forget what the technical term, one of your nurses know, of the, the life, you know, the, the effectiveness of that drug. Of if you've taken it this much, even though you didn't take it today, it's still got... It's residing in you. And she was telling him, you're going to be okay because the, the effectiveness of that is going to last for while we're here. And so he calmed down. And he said, and I just said, thank you, God, for that. And I, and I said, and I have this place in his life. I wouldn't do this there, but I have this place in his life where I said to him, so is that the best you think God can do? Is that you have this effective life of, an, of a medicine and thank God for medicines okay I'm not I'm not anti-medicine but here's what I said is that the best you believe or do you believe God can set you totally free and he got angry at me because he said do you understand where I've come from that used to I'd have been curled up in a ball over there and I wouldn't have been able to fun he said I can function now so don't you go challenging me with that kind of mess and I said to him what you're doing is letting where you are define what God can do and, and the psalmist says this, says, you limit the Holy One of Israel. We set limit. God can do anything He wants to, but He chooses to do what His Word says He'll do. And so, and, and so what I, I challenged him, well, a few weeks later, he, and he actually pulled away, left the group for a while. He got so angry. And, uh, and then a few weeks later, he called me up and he said, I had to repent. 
He said, he said, it was like my whole relationship with God was just, where's it at anymore? And God told me, it's because you got angry when someone challenged you that I could do more. And here's what I want to challenge you with today. I don't know where you are, where you've been, or what it looks like, but don't you dare let it define where God wants you to go. Don't you dare let it define what your health can look like, what your relationships can look like, what your business. Here, here's, as I was praying, Pastor Ben, here's what the Lord was showing me on this one. Somebody in here, several of you have thought about or maybe even started a business and it didn't work. And so you have just said, I, maybe that's not for me. And the Lord just wants to rebirth that in you today. There's some people here, God wants to make you very prosperous so that he can resource this church through your resources. And so you need to dream again. You need to, you need to dream again. Second, second dreamer I want us to look at is a guy named Joseph. Joseph, you remember in the Bible, they made a movie about him. He's the, the coat of many colors guy. And, and uh, Joseph was the guy that, that God gave him a dream. He was a dreamer. And, uh, and God gave him a dream, and, and he was, had a bunch of older brothers, and he was the youngest one. And Joseph didn't really like to do a lot of the hard work. Joseph liked sitting around dreaming. And, uh, and so he put on his fancy coat that he had one day, and he went out to his brothers, and he'd had a dream, and he said to his brothers, hey, guys, I mean, think about this. They're working hard in the fields. Joseph is laying around in his fancy coat that his daddy gave him that he didn't give them. And so there's already a little stuff going on. Joseph comes up to us and says, hey, guys, I want to call you all together. You know, hey, quit working for a minute. I've got something very important to tell you. And they said, okay, Joseph, what do you got to tell us? And he said, well, I had a dream last night. And they said, oh, yeah, great, let's hear your dream. He said, well, in my dream, all of you bowed down before me. <laughs> so it went really, really well. They beat him up and threw him into a pit. And then they, they, were, one of them, they were talking about killing him. And one of them said, no, we're not, we can't kill him. And anyway, so they sold him into slavery. And so 23 years later, after slavery and prison and, and all kinds of things, you know, uh, Joseph has gone through pit after pit after pit. It's interesting, 10 different things Joseph goes through from the pit to the promise, uh, okay, and, and he gets there. And now Joseph is, is the second most powerful man, not, not just in Egypt, because Egypt was the most powerful country in the world at that time. Joseph is the second most powerful man in the world. And his brothers, there's a famine has broken out in, 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 uh, in, in Israel, in the promised land. And, and nobody, people are starving to death. And, but because of Joseph's wisdom, Egypt has stored up food. They had seven years of, of really great times, and Joseph told the king, interpreted a dream, and said, hey, here's what that means, and so we need to be putting away a certain percentage of everything and because there's going to come a time of famine, and the rest of the world is not going to have anything, but we will have stuff, and the whole world will come to us, which is, by the way, a picture of the church. It's why will the world stream to this highest place is because we got what they need. And that and that that is Jesus and his and his hope. All right. And so so they're strength of so here we are in, in Genesis 41, and the brothers now have come, and they don't know this is Joseph. All they know is Egypt's got food, we're starving to death. They come to Joseph. And so here they are, and they're standing in front of them. And since Joseph was a governor of all Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. When they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. Had Joseph seen this before? Yes. 
And Joseph thought it was cool. My brother's going to bow down before me. Woo, that's good. Joseph thought that was all about his brothers and him. Joseph, and they bowed their faces to the ground. Look what happens to Joseph. He didn't go, oh, yeah, I told y'all this was going to happen. And he remembered the dreams he had had about them many years before. And look what he had. And then Joseph hurried from the rooms because he was overcome with emotion for his brothers. And he went into his private room where he broke down and wept. And I don't think he's crying because he was so happy to see his brothers. Yes, that was important to him. I think he's crying because he, he realized what the dream was really about. He realized that 23 years meant something. 23 years of being a slave, of being a prisoner, of being a servant, of being persecuted, that every bit of it meant something. That his life had not been wasted in the trouble. That his life meant something. And that he looked down and he went, this dream wasn't about my brothers bowing down to me. This dream was about God saving a nation. About God saving. And, and it overwhelmed him and he had to run from the room because he was overwhelmed with the immensity of the dream. I thought this was a little dream about me. My brother's going to bow down for me. God's going to promote me. And he broke him because he saw this dream wasn't about you, Joseph. This dream was about God using you to save the world. To save the world. And he ran. And, and so here's what... Here's what I learned from Joseph. The dream is way bigger than you think it is. And don't let your dream get in the way of the dream. Don't start defining the dream. Let God define it. Okay, Pastor Ben did a message a little while back about, uh, you know, his, he directs our steps. And, and that is the next step. And we want, we want God to unveil the whole dream. And I'm just, you remember the old movie, what was it? Uh, Tom Cruise was in it and Jack Nicholson and, and, you know, and, and Tom Cruise said, I want the truth, I want the truth. Jack Nicholson goes, you can handle the truth. And I, and, and I think God would say to us, we want to know the whole dream. We want to know all the process that's going to get there. We want to know it all, God. And God goes, you can't handle all the details. If he had told Joseph in that dream, all Joseph saw was his brothers bowing down before him 23 years earlier. If he had told him it's going to involve slavery, imprisonment, serving, all that, Joseph would have said, I don't want any part of this dream. But see, now Joseph saw the end of the dream. And he said, this dream is so big. Here's what I want to challenge you with. Don't you dare disqualify yourself minimize yourself or your place. God's, God wants to use you to save the world. God wants to use you. You know, he could do all this without us, but he chose to do it this way where he does it with us. And here's what I want. I don't know where you are in your dream as a believer or your dream as a, but don't you dare minimize your life. Don't you dare minimize the prices you've paid or the price you will pay. Whether you're pre-trouble, present trouble, or post-trouble, don't you let the trouble define your life. You let the dream define your life. Amen? Come on, somebody. All right, and the third, the third dreamer I want to talk about is a guy named Nehemiah. I love Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, God, he was, this, he was this another captive, and he was serving the king, but God gave him a dream about rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. And, and so he goes back, and he starts rebuilding the, dream, the temple in Jerusalem, and he builds teams. And, and I think Nehemiah is a great story about the local church, is it takes a team to, to, have, to fulfill a dream. 
And, and, you, and that team is the local church. Is that I don't believe there should be any such thing as a homeless Christian. That every believer ought to have a church where they call home. And that's not one that they go to occasionally. It's one where it's their habit to go. That, that, you, that, that you, you know, your habit isn't missing. Your habit is being there. It doesn't mean you're there every time the doors are open. But that your habit is you are there. Because it takes a team to do these things that God has for us. And, and, and see what, and so here's Nehemiah, and he's going to have opposition. Because your dream, if it's a God dream, it will always have opposition. All right. And so in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, it says, And when our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall, they sent this message, Come and meet with us. I knew they were scheming to hurt me, so I sent messengers back with this. I am doing a great work. I cannot come down. I, I, I remember a pastor one time telling him a story about a lady who came, to, who came to his church. She was a famous actor. And she came to his church and she had quit acting, quit her career, because her and her husband, they wanted to have children. And so uh, they, had, they had children, the family's there, and she's, she's a stay-at-home mom now. And she starts getting these offers coming back into her about because she was a, a well-known actress and offers come back and great opportunities and she said you know I was pulled about you know hey this you know, my dream was to be this famous actress and I and said then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit said look around at what you're doing don't minimize what you're doing and she here's the message she sent back to the agents I am about a great work raising these girls and I cannot come down. And I thought, wow, how important was the dream to her? And see, if we don't watch it, we minimize what God has given us to do. You know how Jesus said he brought glory to God in John 17? He said, Father, I brought you glory by doing what you put in front of me. And what was in front of her at that time? Two little girls. And, and see, you know, it looked like in the world's view, it looked like, oh, this is a big dream. But in God's view, he said, you're about a great work. You can come down if you want to and go pursue that other stuff. Or you can stay up here and we'll do this work together. And, and it's important, you know, don't come down. Don't let opposition and obstacles or opportunities shrink the dream. It's important what Nehemiah was doing. And he had opportunities, he had obstacles, he had opposition. But if you don't watch it, you know what they try to do? Is they try to distract you from the dream and shrink the dream. What is it that defines us according to the psalmist? What is our worship call? The dream. We're dreamers. We come as those who dream. You know, I'm lifting up my hands and I'm singing about healing and I may be, I may be struggling with a diagnosis I don't want. But I'm going to keep dreaming. I'm not going to let the diagnosis define me. What defines me is I'm a dreamer. I may have just gone through a broken relationship, but it's not going to define. I've come to worship as a dreamer, not as a broken. Listen, God loves the broken. He hears the heart of the, he, he, he's, he is close to the brokenhearted. And so, but, but come as a dreamer. I can worship, I can lift my hands. Why? Because I'm a dreamer. And then lastly, the last one I want you to look at is, is uh, the greatest dreamer of all time is Jesus Christ. 
Matthew 16, 23, I think it's one of the best. It's one of the things that gives me great hope. Peter always gives me great hope. And, uh, and I don't know how y'all close if the worship teams come back, but now would be a good time if, you're gonna, if you do that. If you don't, I'll sing, and we can, <laughs> we can definitely ruin the service. And the, uh, but the, uh, Peter is, it gives me great hope. So Peter, just a paragraph before this, uh, Jesus has said, well, who do you think, who do you say I am? I think it's the most important, one of the most important questions in our life is who, Jesus says, who do you th- say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus spends a little while bragging on Peter. I mean, he's going, Peter, man, you didn't get that from flesh and blood. Heaven itself just spoke to you, and that's how I'll build my church. I'll build my church on, and, and by the way, that's the first time Jesus uses the word church. And he unveils a mystery that has been all through the Old Testament of the church. The church is God's kingdom on earth until Jesus returns. It's that temporary, it's a temporary kingdom of in between, of between the old, uh, of the old prophets and the second coming of Jesus is the church. And he says, and this is how I'll build my church is on you hearing from God. Most dangerous Christian on this planet is a Christian who can hear from God. Who can hear from God? And 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 Peter and he's just doing all this. He says, Peter, where'd he go? And then and then he says, and now here's how this is going to happen. I'm going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to nail me to a cross and I'm going to die for all the sins of the world. And Peter goes, Oh no, 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 no. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. I, I I'll fight to the end to make sure that doesn't happen to you. Sounds noble. But look what Jesus said. Then Jesus said to Peter, now just a paragraph before, he's bragging on him. Get away from me, Satan. You are not helping me. You don't care about the things of God, only about the things people think are important. That's what he says. Don't mess with the dream, Peter. Don't start defining to me what the dream is going to look like because of your expectations of a Messiah. Don't you here's your you're expecting me to restore Israel right now to this place of prominence that you saw in David and Saul's times, and you think that's the kingdom? And you are not going to define to me what the dream looks like. The dream is the church. The dream is the birthing of the church. The dream is people's sins washed away by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, not by the power of a sword or an army. The dream isn't that you throw off the chains of oppression because I overthrow the Roman Empire. The dream is that you throw off anything that would hold you a slave because I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords and I shed my blood for you and I pay the price for you to have every dream that God has for you. Don't you dare think you're helping me by redefining the dream. Don't you dare tell me what culture expects of me. Don't you dare tell me what social expectations are of me. Don't you tell me how I'm supposed to fit in if I'm going to be the leader you want me to be. Don't you tell me what it's supposed to look like. You're not helping me. Get behind me. God defines the dream and we won't mess with it. And what people think are important doesn't measure up to what God says is important. 
And that means when you go off to school as a high schooler or a middle schooler, or you go off to college, or you go to work, or you go to you you start a business, you don't let the culture and other expectations define what God is telling you to do. He's given you a dream. And you walk that dream out. You walk that dream out. Don't let culture or pressure or others' expectations redefine the dream. And I'll just tell you something. There are people in here, you've done that. You got saved, and man, you were going to bust hell wide open. And you have met with some resistance, and you've, you've calmed down. You've kind of said, hey, you know, people thought I was a little wacko. They thought I was a little weird. They thought I was a little wild. I didn't fit in with some theology that, by the way, didn't fit in with the Word of God anyway. I'll tell you what, the thing that's most frustrating to me as a pastor is the, a lot of the negative pressure we get is from other believers about what this is supposed to look like. You're who God called you to be, not who they called you to be. Be wild, be crazy, be on fire for Jesus. Set the world on fire. Don't let what's happened or what's not happened or don't let people's expectations and pressures redefine your dream. Don't let them lessen the dream. Don't let them shrink the dream. Don't let them tell you what the dream's supposed to look like. Get back on your knees and say, Holy Spirit, come. Set that fire in me again. I just believe it today, Pastor Ben, God just, He, he wants to breathe on some people today. Maybe you're visiting today and and God's speaking to you right now. I don't know what it is, but I believe that the Holy Spirit is here and He's interested in your dreams, but He's most interested in the dream God gave for you and that God has for you. Come on, Pastor. Amen. One of, one of the things that we've made so important here at Canvas Church is this time to respond to the message. Um, we never want you to rush out without an opportunity to respond. So here's what I want you to understand your feet. I'm going to pray. We're going to give you that opportunity to respond. Um, and I believe that. I believe there are people here that uh, maybe your dream has been redefined or maybe it's been crushed or maybe you just said, yeah, that didn't work out. And so you, you swept it to the side. But I do believe that, Pastor Tony, that God wants to breathe life on that dream once again. Maybe it's a business. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it is, you know, you had that, that, that word of knowledge that you don't give up on a family. And God wants to breathe on that. Uh, maybe it's a ministry. Um, maybe it's a child coming back to Jesus. Um, you know, uh, God wants to breathe on that today. Maybe some of you are in the process of the dream being redefined and you don't know quite what it looks like. You know that God's working some things, but there's just some, like maybe some anxiousness and some kind of hesitation. And, and maybe you're in that process where it's like, okay, God, I know you got this, but man, I just need some assurance. Um, don't walk out of here without getting some prayer today. And um, we also have uh, communion elements set up up here. And, and so maybe th this morning you want to respond just by um, coming up and maybe with your family and just grabbing some communion and just taking a few moments before you leave today and just acknowledging the work of the cross over your life and, uh, and how he saved you and set you free. And so Here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to pray, um, and then we're going to dismiss. Band will be playing a little bit. But I'm going to invite some of the pastors and some of the small group uh, leaders uh, to come up. And if you need prayer, you're walking through one of those moments. 
um, that Pastor Tony talked about. You just need some prayer today. We would love to pray for you. Maybe you're here and maybe you just, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Um, this is your moment. And you say, well, what's it all about? It's, it, it, God's been tugging on your heart this whole service. And, um, and in that moment where you respond, it's just about you surrendering your dream to his dream. It's about you surrendering your life, saying, I've tried this my own way. Um, but I, I'm realizing, as I heard Pastor Tony preach, there's a better way. And we would love to help you uh, meet Jesus this morning. And so I'm going to pray. And as I'm praying, some of the pastors and small group leaders are going to come up. And then after I'm done praying, bands going to be playing. Um, come on up, take communion. If you feel like, man, that's what, the way you want to respond. Or if you need prayer, come on up today. And we'd love to pray for you. God, we thank you so much for great moments in your presence. God, we thank you for a great word. God, we thank you, Lord, that you're here to meet people where they're at. God, in the midst of broken dreams, in, in the midst of uh, uncertainty of the dreams, uh, maybe we don't have the right definition of the dream. God, you're here to meet people where they're at as they surrender their life. You're here to meet people where they're at as they respond and they remember the cross. And so, God, we pray today on this 10-year anniversary that this would be a hallmark moment. This would be a moment where they look back and say, man, I remember going to Canvas Church. Yeah, I was just visiting a friend. I was just visiting a family member, but God spoke to me, and I found freedom in that moment. And so, Lord, we pray you would do that today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If that's you and you want to respond today.